0: I just want to read a little section of God's word before we go into our my assigned text. Galatians chapter 3. That's right. I'm just as excited. (laughs) All right. You know, you think you have it all down, these little color code little tassels here, but I didn't. I forgot them all as soon as I got up here. All right, so let's read. We will read first uh, chapter three, verse one through nine. Oh, foolish Galatians! Who bewitched you before those? I mean, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want you to learn. Uh, I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing uh, uh, with faith? There we go. Are you so foolish having me gone by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? So then, does he who pr- provides you with the Spirit and works, miracles among you, did it by the works of the law, or by hearing with faith? So just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, so know that those who are of faith, those are the sons of Abraham." And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, uh, the believer. So all those who have the Holy Spirit, who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, our children Abraham, children of God. Can I get, uh, Wes, you don't mind opening us in a word of prayer? Thank you, sir. All right. So I've been assigned First John. We go to First John now, chapter two, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Probably be a shorter message than I normally give. Two verses. Can there really be that much in two verses? Absolutely. These two verses can be exhausted, and so, um, um, yeah. But I decided to to make it a little bit more compact. Uh, A lot of riches in these two verses. And uh, at first, I'm like, man, it's going to be hard to get two verses right and to good forty-five, fifty minutes. And uh, I think the the meat is there, so we'll go and look at it, take a look at it, and and then see what the Lord has to offer us today. So, all right, First John two twenty-eight through twenty-nine. And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He is manifested, we may have confidence and not shrunk away from him in shame at his coming if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him so this is kind of a middle section here kind of like Owen. he kind of said he had that that gut feel right i i had the same thing um i looked at many commentators to kind of see where they split these verses at some of them you know, went from 26 to 29, some of them went from 28 to chapter 3, verse 3, some uh, just split it by itself, so as I began to look at it, I kind of look at it a degree it's a transition point, and it's going from, you know, uh, this perspective to this perspective. Um, I'll probably get ahead of my notes here, but you'll see before he mentions Christ, Christ, Christ. Then once we get to chapter three, he mentions God. Everything he references is back to God Himself. So you kind of see this transition here. Uh, I didn't never. I've never really caught that until just studying it. But uh, you'll see that if you go back and look. Does it, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. Nobody would explain it to me, <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out myself. But it happens, right? And so there's one of those mysteries that I'll let you go back home and study and figure it out on your own, and you can pull your hair out as I tried to pull mine out. So <laughs> I pull it from the back, so when I comb my hair back, it covers it. So I'm just kidding. But, anyways, uh, you'll see that. And so um, let's start out here. It says the intro and now, we look at the first two verbs, I mean words in our in our message here. It says the intro and now, it starts a new thought, which is. The return of Christ. If you look at the end of verse 28, he says that at his coming, okay? Uh, When he is manifested, we see in the middle of the verse there. So we have this new thought, he is the coming or return of Christ. John addresses the readers for the third time as little children. You've heard Owen um, uh, talk uh, 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 intensively, or not intensively, but uh, uh, multiple times about that right in depth. Um, which again reaffirms his affection for them, okay? We see for the third time he mentions the phrase abide. And last week's message, we, it was brought up twice, and here we see it the third time, abide in him. And again, no one went into detail on what that means, so I won't exhaust that. So again, <clears throat> but uh, this here, which was a, which has which was his command in verse 27, right? So when you, the word abide was a commandment, right? To abide. But John now adds a new motive, right? Abide in why? In Christ's return, okay? So the word "perusia," the Greek word there, uh, means <clears throat> coming or appearing, okay? The verse here is talking about Christ's second coming. This is the only time that parousia is used in John's writings, Okay? The word is used in the all of discourse. if you look at the word uh, the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in some of paul 's writings you'll see it you'll see this word in James okay It was a common word used by believers in that time, but for some reason, John only uses it once in all his writings, okay but it is a common word um so, it is also interesting to note that John is also making, like I said earlier, I got ahead of my notes, the switch over to using God mostly rather than Jesus after these two verses. And we'll see this in the next few chapters, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll be getting a, a fuller perspective. And I think that was all I could come up with, was that it went from Christ to, again, the triune God, right? We get this full perspective of what the scripture is talking about, that we are in Christ, we are to abide in Christ, but when we abide in God, then it's abiding in the full Trinitarian perspective of God, is the fullness, I think uh, Owen tapped into this a little bit, but what is that, uh, uh, that the fullness, of, the fullness of God abides in, in us, is that Philippians, is that right? Or, let me see, let me go back and look, maybe somebody can find that, but yes, it says, uh <clears throat> All right, let me see here. I think it's one thirteen. Um, I cannot remember that verse. That's shocking. But anyways, it says that the fullness of God indwells in us. I think it's maybe two thirteen or two eight. I can't remember. But I'll go back. It'll come to me in a minute. and I'll just spit it out as I'm talking. So, but anyways, yes. So the fullness of God indwells in us. Body. I mean, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit indwells in us. Okay. So. Anyways, uh, I think that's what the, it means, but I, again, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, anyway, so verse 28 now. Let's take a, um, a little look here. It says, And now little children abide in him, so that when he is manifested, <clears throat> okay, now, some of your translations might have, uh, so that if he is manifested, but the better translation is, when he is manifested okay this gives us certainty right not uncertainty okay so when or whenever right so and now little children abide in him so that when he is manifested we will have this certainty okay the certainty that christ is returning christ is returning okay we're not sure what day but we know he is returning He'll be here one day, but we don't know what day, right? And because Christ is returning, John wants us to know about two desirable things, okay? The first is to have paresia. okay? John also includes himself in this. He uses the word we. If you notice, he he says we. And now little children abide in him so that when he is manifested, right, he uses the word we. We may have confidence, okay? He's including himself in this. Okay, but parisia, par- parisia means to have confidence, to, be, uh, to have fearlessness, to, be, to have joyousness in the face of a possible threat. So when Christ returns, we are to have confidence, right? It could be a possible threat. If you're not saved, it could be a threat that Christ is returning, right? Depends what side you're on. But here, we are to have confidence that there is no threat to us right as true believers right next John wants believers to abide so that they will avoid what condemnation again the word we also applies to this next section with with John included as well he brings himself into this as well if you are an unbeliever or enemy of God you shall be you should be concerned right and why is that Because there's condemnation. He doesn't want that for us. Okay, there is condemnation. If you are not a believer, again, John is black and white. Okay, this should be something we're worried about. This should be something we should be thinking about. We should be losing sleep over this. Okay? But John, in chapter 1, verse 4, tells us that he writes to promote his reader's joy. We are to be excited and confident that he is coming, that he is returning. Are you excited? Are you confident? I am. I'm ready for him to come. <clears throat> in fact, Revelation, the th- last chapter, tells us to pray for Christ's return. Do you do that often? I do. Now, the Apostle Paul has the same message. We read in Colossians one and 20 through 21-23. It says, And although you were formerly alienated and enemies in mind and in evil deeds... But now he reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly, firmly grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. We see earlier in verse 19 that... They went out from us, but they were not readily of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be manifested that they all are not of us. Okay? Only those who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, faithful to the Lord and His Word, are truly saved and are bearing righteous fruit. Okay? Hear what I said. They are bearing righteous fruit. Again, John is black and white. Um, So I'm trying to speak from that perspective. Now, the word teaches us that God holds us in his hand. We don't hold him onto him. He holds onto us. We look at John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Isn't that amazing? We hold, the Lord holds on to us. There's a pastor that preaching one time, and he gave an illustration of this. I always use it, I think it's really, really cool. But there's a father who's getting ready to cross a, a busy street. And uh, <clears throat> you know how you have a little kid, right? You can picture little Matthew and you're getting ready to carry him across the street, right? And Or, or even myself, little Christopher, right? You grab him by the hand or you grab him by his wrist while well, he's holding on to your thumb. And as you're going, you're, you're kind of like going fast because these cars are coming. As you go, he's swinging and he's holding on, right? And he... And at the end he's like a papa or grandpa or mom or dad I held on and you're like yeah you did you did but in all reality you were gripped onto them right they thought they were holding on but in all reality it was the hand of the father holding the child across that danger and that's the idea here that's what it is god holds us even though we're holding on to him his word his promises the joy the hope that he promises us but in all reality he is holding on to us a true believer will have confidence when the lord returns <clears throat> so, meanwhile, we are to be growing in our faith and in the knowledge of the Lord. Okay, what we believe about the future has great influence on how we think and live today. What you think about the future, right? What, you, what your 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 theology is the same thing. What you what your theology is will determine how you live your life. Same thing about the days to come, the future. Now imagine standing condemned before Jesus Christ and finally see the truth. Imagine this, okay? Imagine you think you got it right. You stand before God, but you're being condemned before Christ. And then at that moment, you finally see the truth, okay? After a lifetime of being wrong about him and teaching others to do the same, then all of a sudden, one day, boom, you're going to realize you're wrong. That's a sobering thought. When you, you have a false message, you have a false faith, right? Here's a few errors about Christ that are out there. So one of the errors is that rejecting that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, rejecting the work of, cross, of the cross, his atoning sacrifice, rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit, saying that he guides us to another Jesus, That's not the Holy Spirit. Rejecting Jesus as the Son of God, saying that he's just a good teacher. Rejecting that Jesus is the only true God. Okay? Capital T. Right? There are other true small t, but those are false gods. Okay? There's only one true God. Everything else is an idol. It's a false God. And then also believing that Jesus is the spirit brother of Satan. There are those who believe these things and will misguide you. There are non-Trinitarians, those who believe that, they call it the oneness of Christ. You hear people like T.D. Jakes uh, and some of these others that teach this, but they promote a false Christ. He is not a triune. In their world, he is not triune, but the Bible says that God is triune. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and uh, you'll see that they speak well. They sound uh, exciting. They sound like Christians. But if you believe their message, you'll be waking up in front of Christ being condemned. Okay? So these are just a few. Okay? Abide in Christ with confidence. Remember, the Christian is under no condemnation for sin since Jesus has atoned for our sins. Okay? And we see this in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Once you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. When Christ comes, you will not be judged in that way. So in verse 29, it says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him. Now, Remember, like begets like, right? Cows breed, they have baby cows, right? Pigs breed, you have baby pigs. That's pretty, that simple, right? When uh, humans have babies, they have little humans, right? When the Lord has children, he has, I'm not going to say little lords because that would be blasphemy, (laughs) Right, but he has. We are in his image. We are now created in his image. We are now adopted by him, and now we have a different nature. Our nature changes. Okay, we have a a, a righteous nature through Christ. So remember, light like begets like. If God is righteous, then you have to be righteous. Okay, you have to be. This is not a choice or an option. If you are not righteous, then you are not of God. Because the seed of righteousness is placed in us at the moment of salvation. And if there is no righteousness in your life, then you are not of God. Black and white. John would probably preach it a lot harder than I am. So I'm afraid to get there. Because I, my, the conviction of my own soul, right? We know we're not perfect. But again, you are not righteous, I mean if you if you are not righteous then you are not of God, okay there's no sense in sugarcoating it. We look at John 12 first uh, John 12 and verse and first 13. This is uh what I've mentioned before. Owen mentions it before as well, um, but this is what I call our spiritual birth certificate, okay Verse 12. do you want to know where your birth certificate is All right? If they ask you for your birth certificate you can pull up John chapter one verse 12, and just show it to them, right? Right, Phil? (laughs) It says, But as many as received, to them he gave the right, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Okay? Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They are born of God. Okay, we are born of God. Okay? And at this point, This gives us that we went from creatures of God. God created us. I used to believe the lie that every person was a child of God. I was taught that as a young Catholic boy. I remember my my grandmother, my grandparents, oh, we were all children of God. And I got to this verse and I said, no, we are not children of God. I said, because it's saying that I'm becoming a child of God when I believe. And what was I before? And I figured out that I was an enemy of God. Right? We've seen that song, Jesus, thank you. Right? Once you're your enemy now seated at your table. Beautiful song. That song is just powerful to me from that perspective. But we were his enemies before. We were just creatures of God. But now we are um, children of God. Okay? It's a sobering, a sobering thought. So if you're an unbeliever and you pray, God is not... He is not um, obligated to hear your prayers. He can if he wants, right? But God will always hear the prayer of salvation. Remember that. When you call out to God for salvation, and you're sincere and it's real, he will always answer that prayer no matter what. Okay? But everything else, he is not obligated to listen or to answer it. All right. All right, so... I scrolled up a little too much. My thumb got excited there. All right. So, all right. So, we look back at the verse. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone else who does righteousness has been born of him. Now, if you notice, there's two no's here. The first no has a sense of perceiving an absolute truth. Okay. So, if you know, if you truly know that he is righteous, if you absolutely know that he is righteous, the second no conveys uh, to know by experience, to recognize or to, to perceive, right? Come to perceive. So if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him. You know by experience that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him, right? By experience, he's saying that if you are truly righteous, then people can see this in you. Right, You know by experience that everyone also who does the righteousness has been born of him. Again, the fruit, right? Is there a changed life? Is there a righteousness in your life? True believers are verified not by what they claim, but how they live, right? How they live. That's one of the reasons, or kind of one of the reasons, but the same concept of why we don't do a, um, an altar call. Okay? Anybody can come up here to the front to have a false conversion, to look like you're being saved. What we want is we want to preach the message and have your heart convicted and that you go home and begin to live a changed life because it was real between you and the Lord. We don't want you to come up here because I call that popcorn Christianity. I've seen multiple people pop up, but maybe 1% of those people truly stick to salvation what we want is we want you knocking on our door saying I want to be baptized now I want to walk up there and show everybody what I've done the commitment that I've made and when you do that now you bring yourself forward right and you show people what you have done now you're living out uh, this faith that you believe true believers are verified not by what they claim but how they live and you want to tell everybody, I've made this decision. I want to be baptized. Now watch me and hold me accountable. Interesting. So, true believers know that God is righteous. Okay. We saw this in that first section. Um, in 1 9, we see he is righteous to forgive sin. We went over this. And in 2 1, he also intercedes before the Father. And in the future, in three seven, we see Christ's righteous life as a model to the true believers. Okay, so we have an example of a true righteous God. We know that Christ is without sin. Christ was here for three years, no sin. He was evaluated before he put on the was put on the cross, and there was found no blame in him. Okay, and not only that, but he, he's left his word for us as a guide. Okay, one commentator, Yarbro, <clears throat> in his commentary. He says that truth is that that truth is that in standing firm, which is abiding, okay, with that word that we've talked about, they are upholding the heritage into which their confession of Christ has placed them. Everyone who does righteousness has been born of Him. Those who departed were never really part of the family. Those who remain steadfast, firm, know that their righteous know that their righteous stand verifies their divine parentage right That's what we call the perseverance of the saints if you continue down this path right your righteousness if you stand right uh, your, your, your standing proves that you are from god right it is not once it is not once both a credit uh, to the one they know to be righteous and a confirmation that they have been born of god right it's a confirmation to know that we have been born of god i think i, I butchered that uh <laughs> he, he said something and like, oh I gotta say this and so I kind of butchered his quote sorry but anyways um, what he's saying is that um, that uh, our righteousness our stand our long term uh, race standing in him standing in his righteousness proves that we are of him okay alright <clears throat> now One more time, let's go back and look at verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him. Now, if we are born of him, then we are regenerated. That's what it's saying, okay? We are regenerated. Every human being who has ever lived has suffered from spiritual deadness. All of us were born dead in sin, right? Then we become alive in Christ. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit give new spiritual life to those who were previously dead. Right? I think uh, Ephesians talks about this. in their sins. And then regeneration directly addresses the gracious act of God. Okay? You are dead in sin. And when God awakens you into himself, it is a gracious act of God. Now... There's three three results of regeneration. I want to talk about here. What does this mean? Right. All right. So first, the regenerated believer has to practice righteousness. Here it goes again. Has to practice righteousness. We see this in our texts. Right. Your life will be your life will be growing in holiness if there's a regeneration. We see this in Romans six four. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised, raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There is a change here. You go from old to new. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay? Good works. You will be acting these out. You will be... Achieve, uh, you'll be performing these good works that are set aside for you from the beginning of time. Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new man, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, okay? The new man, the new person is created in righteousness. We've kind of pushed that today. And the holiness of the truth God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, okay, the new man is being created in righteousness. This is working out your salvation, okay, not working to be saved, but the progressive sanctification, the growing into Christ, the becoming like Christ. That's what he's saying here. Now, there is a warning, though. Open your Bibles, a uh, second Corinthians thirteen five. I've heard Owen talk about this as well. Seems like I'm stealing all your sermons, right, Owen? (laughs) Took what you had and pieced it all together. (laughs) But that's amazing because uh, that's how the Holy Spirit works, right? We know that we're preaching the same message. So my mentor beat this into my mind, and I never could understand why. I thought it was for everybody else. And as I matured and got more smart and more humble, I said, oh, no, this is for me, too. (laughs) It says, test yourselves. Or some of yours might say, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize about yourselves that Jesus is in you unless indeed you fail the test? Evaluate yourself. Are you truly a Christian? Are you truly saved? Do you truly believe the gospel? Are you truly have you truly been made righteous? Okay, hmm, that's a scary verse. If you struggle with, am I saved or not? That verse right there will rock your world, right? But it's the reality. That's the negative side. That's the check. Right? Q and A. Also, we look at uh, we'll look at it later in, in the future. But First John three nine it says, "Everyone who has been born of God does not sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God." Again, well, I sin. Does that mean I'm not born of God? Well, John is black and white. He's he's telling you what you shouldn't be doing. Okay, he wants you to feel guilty about your sin. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's in you. If there's no conviction, then examine yourselves. Okay? So a regenerated heart will be constantly um, convicted by the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. So, So we have a divine seed in us which regenerates us okay the holy spirit has been placed in us and this is what changes us if you feel burnout of trying to seek after god or to be christ-like then you're probably doing it in the flesh you need to examine yourself if you're tired of trying to be righteous you're probably not truly righteous in christ because it's not a burden okay it's not a burden Alright, we should be progressing progressing in a pattern of life that is in obedience to Christ's commands. If not, we cannot make any true statements about us being children of God. Our lives must reflect what we speak. Okay, this is hard for me as well. This is a, a late night thinking about these things. Then you try to go put your head on the pillow. Imagine that. (laughs) You're evaluating your life and things that you're doing, things you could change, things you can get better to reflect Christ more. Second, that was just the first one. There's three. The regenerate life is marked by overcoming the evil influences of the world. 1 John 5, 4. We'll see this in the future as well. It says, For everything that has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the overcoming that has overcome the world, our faith, okay? So the world is full of the lust of the flesh. We know that in today's world. We see it. It's in your hands. It's in front of you in your computer desk. It's everywhere, right? So I can see my kids pointing at each other right now and they're pointing at their phones. They know, right? 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you love the things of the world? Then verse 16 goes on to say, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's of the world. Okay? I struggle with this passage myself. And the world is passing away and also its lust but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Okay, I struggle with this because I I get caught up in how I spend my time, how I prioritize my time. I've got work, I've got family, we have our farm stuff, we have our church stuff, right? And then the things in the middle, the white spots, right, where when I lay down at night, it's time to listen to my wife, or when I go sit at the kitchen table, my kids want to talk, or there's a problem that needs to be solved I struggle with the balance of this, this verse here is very dear to my heart because um, sometimes I get caught up in the fact that maybe I'm spending too much time here or there, right? So, um, again, it's a personal struggle. I'm just sharing my heart with you. <clears throat> so next is uh, some have suffered shipwreck, right? In 1 Timothy 1.18, that says, This command I entrust to you. Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you, might, you may fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. Okay? So people have fallen away. They've fallen away. He's handing them over. And then we see the regenerate can withstand the evils of this present age. This is, a, in a sense, a promise, right? It's a, it's a surety. Galatians 1.4. Who gave himself for our sins, which is Christ, right? So that he might rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. That doesn't mean you won't stumble But what it's saying is that you are not going to go back and remain here, right? You're going to stumble. You're going to trip. But you're going to get up like a good kid does when they're running to mom or dad and they fall on the ground. Yeah, there's a little crying sometimes. You dust them off, but they continue running the race, okay? And that's what we're here for, for each other, is to carry each other's burdens, running the race next to each other. I will trip one day, and I'll need you to pick me up and dust me off and continue to push me forward. <clears throat> now, we will never finally and decisively yield to Satan's temptations. We go to First John, we're in First John, go to chapter 5, verse 18. We know that no one who has been born of God sins, but he who was begotten of God keeps him. And the evil one does not touch him. Isn't that impressive? Reminds me of Jonah, right? Everything around him was touched except for him. And we have that example. Not Jonah, but Job, I'm sorry. Job. Job. Um, So we will never yield to Satan's temptations completely, right? You may stumble in them, but he cannot touch you. This is a good promise. He cannot touch you. Right, we can see Satan from afar, maybe next to us, in something in his system, but he cannot touch you, so we as believers should never live in fear of losing our salvation for persevering faith is the heritage of those who are truly born from above, okay as a regenerate person, we should not fear losing our salvation, although John is challenging our faith, right. So the third one is, a child of God experiences the love of his fellow believers. This was interesting. So these three points I found, right, and I kind of evaluated them. And they're not my own, but I took them from somebody and I wanted to share them with you. But we look at 1 John 4.7. So 1 John is full of tons of richness. <clears throat> 4, seven, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, okay? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, okay? A child of God experiences the love of his fellow believers. I know when, when I was in need, my family was in need, I saw that from many of you here in the church. It broke my heart, but it, it made a, a massive impact on me. You know, When I was in the hospital, I saw what the church did for us. I saw the the meals that you brought. And um, to this day, I'm very, very, very grateful. You have no idea. I've always been so independent. I was always that guy doing that, right? Or helping out where I could. And to to receive that blessing and not have a choice, right? Or I could say, no, it's okay. I got it. I got it, right? Or my pride was in the way. It was uh, a blessing. So thank you, church. I have that example to use. In the future. So God is love. It is his very nature. Because of that, his nature will reflect by serving and benefiting others. We see this, the prime example, John 3:16, 17, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, right? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Okay, we see this ultimate sacrifice. Those who are truly born again manifest an evident love for the church. For the child of God loves the children of God. You have to. We're of the same seed, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are devoted to meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hmm, This is another conviction. And now, let's reread our text. Verses 28 and 29, and we'll end here. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he is manifested, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him and shame at his coming If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who does righteousness has been born of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks today, Lord, for helping us understand or dig a little bit deeper into what righteousness is, Lord, in in you in us, Lord. And how we are supposed to live a changed life full of righteousness because your nature is righteous. And because you are a Father, Lord, that our nature changes as well we go from the old to the new out with the old and with the new lord help us to change our thoughts help us to mature and grow in you as we read your word i pray for those lord who are still struggling today with their salvation that they continue to challenge it lord help them not to stop to help them not stop not to stop questioning and trying to figure out where they are help them lord not to come to a conclusion that this is not for them i pray that you continue to prick their hearts and maybe today, Lord, there was somebody whose heart was pricked as they evaluated themselves. As they examined themselves, they said, well, am I truly a believer? I pray, Lord, for that comfort and that assurance where I pray, Lord, that the gospel is given. And that they know the gospel or they, they just take hold of it, Lord. And to make it uh, today, Lord, the day of salvation. God, we just thank you for allowing us to, to be here today to talk about your word to look into the insights of Scripture and see who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your righteousness. There's so much security in it, but also there's condemnation. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen.